around the globe. In sold out arenas and humble churches. From out on the streets to your screen. And now, the time and what must be done. On this edition of Farrakhan Speaks. Greetings to you. I am Minister Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that great preacher of freedom, justice, and equality to the black man and woman of America and the Western Hemisphere, and to the Aboriginal people of the earth, the eternal leader of the nation of Islam and a warner to the government and people of the United States of America, and a warner to the nations of the earth. I have been absent from these microphones for the last eight weeks due to health challenges, but I am so grateful to Allah that he brought me through these health challenges and has returned me to my post. And what is that? To deliver the message of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad on the time and what must be done. I want to thank Brother Jesse and the Twitter Army. Thank you, Brother Jesse, uh, for your work and the Twitter Army that has had us trending for 30 straight weeks. Thanks to the listening public for your continued viewing and support of this broadcast. Many of them that I was guided by Allah and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad to give to you at various times. We can see how the messages of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad are timeless. Every week's message while I was absent was relevant to the subject matter of this year-long broadcast titled The Time and What Must Be Done. And his program is ever relevant in solving the critical needs and problems of our people on every level, spiritual, economic, political, and social. Our subject today on the 48th edition of The Time and What Must Be Done deals with two powerful words, separation and independence. We must be separated from our former slave masters and we must, by the order of Allah God, become an independent nation. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad writes in his monumental work titled Message to the Black Man in America on pages 203 and 204. He writes, we must have some of this earth to produce our people's needs. It is the right time that we seek separation and independence for our nation from the evils of our open enemies and not the foolish things that some of us are seeking and doing. Our people seek that recognition which demands better qualifications, education, the knowledge of self and others, manners and self-respect and the respect of others. But our people just do not have these qualifications until they first come to Islam or submit their will to do the will of God and bear witness to what Allah God has revealed to me. No intelligent and refined society will accept us until we have the above stated qualifications. 
Look at these reality shows. Look at how we are being portrayed. Some of our great professionals, doctors, lawyers, preachers, wealthy basketball players, football players, and their wives. Look at how we are being portrayed. Because we are good at, at our profession, this does not yet mean that we are civilized. You could be a great doctor, but a savage in behavior. We could be great lawyers, great preachers, but have a savage state of mind. And if you don't know yourself, if you don't have self-respect, if you don't know the manners of decent, civilized society and portray that at home and abroad, we then can be considered as savage. And what is being shown of us on television, it begs the intervention of Allah, God, and his Messiah to teach us how to be a civilized human being. But back to the writings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in Message to the Black Man, he writes again, it is common to see and hear of white mobs attacking, beating, and shooting down poor blacks whose fathers and mothers labor, sweat, and blood helped to make America the richest government on earth. Nevertheless, we are yet the most hated and mistreated people. Allah, God, wants to make a great nation out of us, the so-called Negroes. However, if we desire to remain the slave or servant for our slave masters and their children, it is all right with Allah. The question we have to ask and answer properly is, do we love ourselves and our children? If so, why not build a future for ourselves rather than beg the same slave masters and their children for jobs and equal shares in whatever they have, even to equal membership in their society and families through intermarriage. This is definitely not a wise thing to do, but a very foolish and destructive thing for the once slave and his master to do. By the help and guidance of Allah God, I have put before you the wise and best thing for your future. First, some of this earth that we can call our own. The original Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson. The original Declaration of Independence written by Thomas Jefferson. America's founders understood just how wrong and how wicked slavery was. In the original draft, of the Declaration of Independence, over 90% of it written by Thomas Jefferson, who wrote the original draft and blamed the King of England for enslaving the African and condemned him as being a Christian while partaking in the slave trade. Look at these words that Thomas Jefferson wrote. And then, unfortunately, they took these words out of the Declaration of Independence. He wrote, he, the King of England, has waged 
cruel war against human nature itself violating its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people africans who never offended him captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere to incur miserable death in their transportation thither to america look at how well mr jefferson wrote what england did because england was the culprit that introduced us into this hemisphere and started the transatlantic slave trade thomas jefferson went on to say this piratical warfare the opprobrium shame of infidel faithless powers is the warfare of the so-called christian king of great britain determined to keep open a black slave market where men should be bought and sold the original framers of the constitution in putting these words to the king of england were literally using the transatlantic slave trade to bash the king and to justify as one of the reasons why they wanted separation from him not only that that he was doing but of course the mistreatment of the 13 colonies mr jefferson continues the king has prostituted his negative his veto powers over colonial legislation for suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or to restrain this execrable utterly detestable commerce and that this assemblage of horrors might want no fact of distinguished die the king wants to keep this hidden so he is now exciting those very people african slaves to rise in arms among us and to purchase that liberty of which he has deprived them and murdering the people on whom he also obtruded or imposed upon them thus paying off former crimes committed against the liberties of one people the africans with crimes which he urges them to commit against the lives of another the white colonists they spoke angrily of the evils of black slavery but only when they felt the king of england was taking all the profits for just as soon as they broke away from the power of the crown the leaders of the new nation supposedly founded on liberty increased the evil against the african people knowing all the time that it was wrong and morally unjustified they were not willing to give up their slaves nor forego the massive profits of the slave trade all their moralizing and complaints against the king meant nothing in the face of the wealth they made on our blood sweat toil and tears but this shows what kind of man thomas jefferson was in writing these words but he was trapped in something that he knew would ultimately be the undoing of that which the founding fathers were forming thomas jefferson gave in to the majority because he was in the minority and the sad thing about this is that thomas jefferson was the conscience 
of the founding fathers of this nation and when they agreed to take out his words they nullified his spirit contained in these words so it is today with Barack Obama and his desire for peace with Iran not a peace to leave Israel unprotected but through the peace and the agreement Israel would be protected and Iran would not have a potential for a nuclear weapon yet Israel is not satisfied the founders of America well understood my dear black brother and sister who you and I are and they understand the end that would ultimately come to them because of what they and their children have done to us they put it in their first proposed seal and they put it in their original draft of the Declaration of Independence but they took the seal away and they took the words away because their own words and deeds condemned them and so Thomas Jefferson would later write quote I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and that his justice cannot sleep forever close quote and George Washington predicted that the black slaves would become quote a very troublesome species of property before too many years pass over our heads close quote they knew that America would be in trouble just for having these Africans as American property this motto e pluribus unum out of many one had nothing to do with us we will never be made one into the six nations of Europeans who were the founders of this nation and neither will the Native Americans neither will our Latino brothers and sisters and the more America tries to hold on to us the more America will find herself fighting against Allah God who wants to deliver us from you and make us into an independent nation the black and the brown and the Native Americans feel the pain of white supremacy more so than the Asians because the Asian people and their culture makes them able to take advantage of America's saying that they are citizens because they have that self-knowledge self-respect self-determination so they pool their resources and continue to build in a society that as of yet is not so pleased with their color or their features and in times past have called the presence of Asians among us the yellow peril but even among evil people Allah God provides a conscience so when I asked in my lecture in Indianapolis last Sunday would any one of you of your own free will and volition kill a messenger of God that is advising you against doing something that would ultimately bring you irreparable harm would you do that and of course they answered no yet when that still small voice arises to condemn us for what we think we would like to do that is against natural and divine law or even state law we put that conscience 
to sleep. And so it was with the original framers of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. They put the wisdom and moral correctness of what Thomas Jefferson had inserted or wrote in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence. They put it to sleep. They took it out so that future generations would never be reminded of the moral judgment that they made at that time. That is condemning this present generation to the justice of God. Not only did they condemn the black man to slavery, but in the ultimate act of selfishness, these founding fathers were willing to let future generations of their own children face retribution for their enrichment. Let us look at the great house of Israel and the seal of America. The real great house of Israel is right here in America. It is the great house of the white race. And the children of Israel are the lost sheep within this house of Israel. Lost within the civilization, culture, knowledge, wisdom of white people. The founding fathers of America understood this and gave us signs and symbols that prove it. Look at the great seal that was first proposed in 1776 for the United States by a committee of prominent men, including Ben Franklin, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson. The seal had two sides to it. The front side was the all-seeing eye. The shields of the six nations at the root of white America, Britain, Holland, Germany, France, Ireland, and Scotland. A woman holding an even balance, the sign of justice. Another woman holds the spear and cap, the sign of liberty. The initials of the 13 colonies and the motto E Pluribus Unum, out of the many, one. On the back side of the seal, you see rays from a pillar of fire in a cloud with a beam of light coming down from that cloud on Moses. You see Pharaoh sitting in an open chariot, a crown on his head and a sword in his hand, passing through the divided waters of the Red Sea in pursuit of the children of Israel. And you see Moses standing on the shore, extending his hand over the sea, causing it to overwhelm Pharaoh. And the motto is, rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. It is interesting that Ezekiel, over 500 years before Jesus, saw a wheel in the midst of a wheel that was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The same cloud and pillar that was seen over Moses. So in the 13th chapter of Exodus, the 21st and 22nd verses of the King James Version. It reads, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night 
from before the people and we are here to tell you that that wheel is above your head as we speak we will discuss this in more detail in coming weeks when we deal with the wheel and the so-called unidentified flying objects. The wise architects of this country never used this seal to represent them because they understood what the future of this nation was going to be. But they put it in their original seal. They knew about Pharaoh in the Bible and the consequences he faced for his enslavement of the children of Israel. And they knew that there was a power that was above their power. All this was represented in their original seal. The founders of this nation clearly placed themselves in biblical and Quranic prophecy. As I shared in Indianapolis on December 1st, President Obama is in deep trouble. There has never been a president more disrespected in his office than President Barack Obama has been and continues to be. Many Americans are pleased that President Obama took the initiative to call President Rouhani of Iran after his speech at the United Nations and the dialogue between President Barack Obama and President Rouhani began, which ended in five permanent members of the United Nations Security Council and Germany signing an agreement that could ultimately lead to removing any fear or doubt of the Islamic Republic of Iran developing a nuclear weapon. The American people are actually war-weary. Last year alone, 350 American soldiers committed suicide. This year, in an NBC News report by Bill Briggs, it was reported that there was one military suicide every 18 hours as of May 2013. The treasuries of America are being emptied Many states are facing bankruptcy and America is $17 trillion in debt and the debt grows steadily each and every second minute, hour and day. Can America afford another war? Shouldn't we encourage the members of Congress to back President Obama and give peace a chance? Isn't dialogue for the sake of finding solutions to problems better than trying to solve problems with war and the implements of war? I would appeal to America's leaders, give peace a chance. I would appeal to members of the Jewish community, stop a moment, hold down your criticism of the president's effort and give his effort a chance to work. For the alternative to this is war that will lead to Armageddon, that most dreaded war, which will bring about the destruction of Israel and ultimately the destruction of America. At the time of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he sent messages to the Caesar of Rome and the Khosrows of Persia 
inviting them to Islam or to peace. Ultimately, Rome and Persia clashed. The Romans won, but it was in fact a Pyrrhic victory, which means that after winning the war, they lost so much that it became the ultimate end of the Roman Empire. Rome today is represented by the United States of America and Persia today is represented by the Islamic public, Republic, pardon me, of Iran. Powerful senators and members of the House of Representatives are vehemently opposed to this agreement. Senator Bob Menendez, chairman of the Committee on Foreign Relations, a Democrat from New Jersey, and Senator Mark Kirk, a Republican from Illinois, are crafting a bill to present when the Senate returns from its two-week recess and according to legislative aides, reports Bradley Clapper in a November 26, 2013 internet article posted on NBC40.net. The article also reports that the measure would require the administration to certify every 30 days that Iran is adhering to the terms of the six-month interim agreement and that it hasn't been involved in any act of terrorism against the United States. Without that certification, sanctions worth, worth more than $1 billion a month would be reimposed and new sanctions would also be added. White House officials wouldn't say if Obama might veto such legislation. Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, Democrat of Nevada, has yet to determine how he'll react to the agreement. Democratic aides said, Reid said last week that the Senate would move forward with new sanctions when lawmakers return from their Thanksgiving break. Of course, he took a more cautious approach Monday, saying on NPR's Diane Rehm show that Menendez and Senator Tim Johnson, Democrat of South Dakota, chairman of the Senate Banking Committee, will study the interim agreement with Iran and hold hearings if necessary. Other congressional leaders who criticized the Obama administration's Iran nuclear deal are Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, former Senator Joe Lieberman, and Representative Eric Cantor, Republican of Virginia, and Representative Peter King of New York. APAC donations to Obama critics. I mentioned in Indianapolis, that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel holds more sway over the members of Congress than does the President of the United States. I also mentioned APAC, the American-Israeli Public Affairs Committee, and the Zionist view literally dominates the American Congress. So I asked, what is the Israeli support? How are these members of Congress 
who are fighting president obama how are they supported who supports them the most the israel public affairs committee is allied with the political action committee called norpac which according to its website has grown into the largest pro israel political action committee according to its website norpac is a nonpartisan political action committee whose primary purpose is to support candidates and sitting members of the US Senate and House of Representatives who demonstrate a genuine commitment to the strength security and survival of Israel the american israel public affairs committee apac is not a political action committee it is a registered lobbying organization that works with elected officials while norpac which helps get supportive candidates reelected in the first place has a separate and distinctive role these uh, people want to continue to support the strength security and survival of israel and any senator or congressman that is for those principles well they get support and according to the website maplight.org which tracks money and its influence on politics here are some of the pro israel contributions to some of these congressional critics of president obama these contributions shown for the last 6 years of available data and remember that senators are elected once every 6 years so from january the 1 2007 to December 31st 2012 Senator Mark Kirk from Illinois Republican received 925,379 dollars Senator John McCain received 771,012 dollars Senator Mitch McConnell Republican of Kentucky I believe it is received $430,925 Senator Robert Menendez Democrat from New Jersey got $344,670 Senator Richard Durbin Democrat of Illinois received $327,000 $212. Senator Harry Reid, Democrat of Nevada, received $261,708. And Senator Charles Schumer, Democrat of New York, received $248,149. Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, received $86,000. $200 and Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina received $84,515 and in the House of Representatives these contributions shown for the last 2 years of available data and remember that members of the House have to go up for re-election every 2 years the speaker of the House Representative John Boehner of Ohio received $129,995. Representative Eric Cantor, Republican from Virginia, received $209,410. Representative Steny Hoyer, Democrat of Maryland, received $143,775. Representative Peter King of New York 
received $30,650. Has this money assured the Israelis the support of powerful members of Congress even against the president who is trying to keep America out of another war that would sacrifice the precious lives of America's children on the false assumption that Iran is producing or trying after 35 years since the revolution to produce a nuclear weapon? Iranian scientists who are trying to help Iran develop nuclear capabilities, as Iran says, for peaceful purposes have been assassinated. And these assassinations on the doorstep of Mossad and Israeli intelligence. Can you imagine accusing Iran of secretly planning to build an atomic bomb while Israel has neither confirmed nor denied that she has atomic weapons. Recently, it was said that Israel has over 400 atomic weapons and other weapons of mass destruction. And unlike Iran, who has signed the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty, Israel has not. No matter what is accomplished through this interim agreement and ultimately a meaningful agreement, it appears that Israel will never be satisfied until Iran is destroyed. And this is one of the reasons why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that this is a people disagreeable to live with in peace. And no matter what we do to show them our faithfulness, our love of country, even our love of them, they hate to see unity, progress, and real economic development that would change the condition of the masses of our people. Stop for a moment and think along with me. If they come back and make a law in Congress with harder, more difficult sanctions against Iran, which would undermine the agreement entered into by the president on behalf of the American people, it would force Barack Obama either to veto that law and put himself on the outside of Congress, on the outside of Israel, on the outside of the Jewish community, on the outside of the Christian Zionists, or he would succumb to this and scuttle this agreement. This is the dangerous situation that might face President Obama after these senators come back from their Thanksgiving break. Thomas Jefferson proposed that blacks should be colonized to such place as the circumstances of the time should render most proper, sending them out with arms, implements of household and of the handicraft arts seeds, pairs of the useful domestic animals, etc., to declare them a free and independent people 
and extend to them our alliance and protection till they shall have acquired strength. What is the definition of alliance? It is a union or an association formed for mutual benefit, especially between countries or organization. It is a relationship based on an affinity in interests, nature or qualities. It is a state of being joined or associated. Nearly a century after the founders put the slavery problem on him, Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, called into his office a delegation of five Washington pastors who were former slaves. Listen to what Mr. Lincoln had to say. He said, quote, you and we are different races. We have between us a broader difference than exists between almost any two races. Your race suffer very greatly. Many of them by living among us while ours suffer from your presence. If this is admitted, it affords a reason at least why we should be separated. These pastors rejected President Lincoln's proposal of aid for separation because these were pastors that loved their master and they didn't want to be separated from their open enemies. And unfortunately, it is the same today with a certain class of our people. They don't want to be separated. They don't want to build a nation of our own. They don't feel the pain of the masses of our people. They have hope that ultimately all will be well, sentencing every new generation to more and more deprivation and degradation. Moreover, Abraham Lincoln stated in Springfield, Illinois, in June of 1857, a few months after the Supreme Court Dred Scott decision and three years before he was elected as president, he discusses his view on separation. But before we get to that, what is the Dred Scott decision? Dred Scott, a slave, had been purchased by an army surgeon, John Emerson, a citizen of Missouri. Scott and his master had spent time in Illinois and the Wisconsin Territory where slavery was prohibited. After Emerson's death in 1846, Scott sued for his freedom, claiming that his journey to free soil had made him free. But his suit went all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And the Supreme Court Justice Taney, who wrote the decision, said, quote, the only matter in issue before the court, therefore, is whether the descendants of such slaves, when they shall be emancipated, or who are born of parents who had become free before their birth are citizens of a state in the sense in which the word citizen is used in the Constitution of the United States. 
And this being the only matter in dispute on the pleadings, the court must be understood as speaking in this opinion of that class only. That is, of those persons who are the descendants of Africans who were imported into this country and sold as slaves. The plaintiff, having admitted that his ancestors were imported from Africa and sold as slaves, he is not a citizen of the state of Missouri according to the Constitution of the United States and is not entitled to sue in that character in the circuit court. The Constitution of the United States recognizes slaves as property and pledges the federal government to protect it. And Congress cannot exercise any more authority over property of that description than it may constitutionally exercise over property of any other kind. So the question before us, Justice Taney writes, is whether the class of persons described in the plea in abatement compose a portion of this people and are constituent members of this sovereignty. We think they are not, and that they are not included and were not intended to be included under the word citizens in the Constitution and can therefore claim none of the rights and privileges which that instrument provides for and secures to citizens of the United States. On the contrary, they were at that time considered as a subordinate and inferior class of beings who had been subjugated by the dominant race and whether emancipated or not, yet remained subject to their authority and had no rights or privileges but such as those who held the power and the government might choose to grant them. They had for more than a century before been regarded as beings of an inferior order and altogether unfit to associate with the white race either in social or political relations and so far inferior that they had no rights which the white man was bound to respect and that the Negro might justly and lawfully be reduced to slavery for his benefit. He was bought and sold and treated as an ordinary article of merchandise and traffic whenever a profit could be made by it. That closes the words of Supreme Court Justice Taney. My question to the black man and woman of America and to America, is that attitude represented by the words of Justice Taney, the attitude of the people in power in America? President Obama has risen to the highest position in the nation. And he is being handled like that attitude of Justice Taney that brought about the Dred Scott decision that no black man has rights that a white man is bound to respect. Well, Many white people are angry that a black family 
is in the White House. And they cry out, we have to take back our country. You wouldn't be taking it back from us. You better really see who has your country. And you should strive to take it back from them. But let's come back to Abraham Lincoln's words. Look at what he said. Quote, I have said that the separation of the races is the only perfect preventive of amalgamation. I have no right to say all the members of the Republican Party are in favor of this, nor to say that as a party they are in favor of it. There is nothing in their platform directly on the subject. But I can say a very large proportion of its members are for it and that the chief plank in their platform, opposition to the spread of slavery is most favorable to that separation. Now that word amalgamate means to mix or merge so as to make a combination of blend. Well, to the white people who are listening, you are now looking at a dying white race. There's so much blending, so much amalgamation, so much intermarriage and sex between the two people that are producing literally a new people. And the white people are fading out of existence. Is this what you really want? You don't love yourself and your people enough to preserve your race? Mr. Lincoln said, such separation, if ever effected at all, must be effected by colonization and no political party as such is now doing anything directly for colonization. Party operations at present only favor or retard colonization Incidentally, the enterprise is a difficult one, Mr. Lincoln says. But when there is a will, there is a way. And what colonization needs most is a hearty will. Will springs from the two elements of moral sense and self-interest. Let us be brought to believe. Lincoln says, it is morally right and at the same time favorable to or at least not against our self-interest to transfer the African to his native clime and we shall find a way to do it however great the task may be. The children of Israel to such numbers as to include 400,000 fighting men went out of Egyptian bondage in a body. You see, the wise presidents wanted us to be separated and they wanted us to be independent. We'll continue this subject next week, same time, same station. And to all of you who tweet, get to tweeting and let the country answer what has been said of separation and independence. And may Allah grant you the light of understanding as I greet you in peace. Assalamu. 
Please log on again next week and every week this year for the time and what must be done. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Log on to NOI.org every Saturday, 6 p.m. Central Time for truth, guidance, and unequaled love from the National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Pass on the word every Saturday at 6 p.m. Central Time at NOI.org. The time and what must be done. Remember, to have Minister Farrakhan answer your questions, tweet them to at Louis Farrakhan, hashtag AskFarrakhan. And to add this message to your library or as a gift for someone you love, go to store.finalcall.com.